welcome to episode 144 of We Don't Die Radio. We're now the number one life after death podcast. How exciting. Every episode, my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And before we start the show, I'd like you to come meet me in person, if you're willing. I'll be speaking at the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, which is coming up this September 15th through 17th, 2017, in Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Embassy Suites. Several of the guests that you've heard interviewed on this show will also be there speaking. And you can simply go to the website, afterlifestudies.org, to find out more and register. Now on to the show. Our guest today comes highly recommended. Her name is Karen Hollis, and she is a psychic medium who has been using her abilities for more than 30 years. Her private readings are highly regarded for their accuracy, integrity, and compassion. Karen teaches seminars and workshops. She does mediumship demonstrations and has worked with law enforcement finding missing persons and solving cold cases both in the United States and Canada. She has been featured on the Discovery Channel's show called A Haunting, as well as Paranormal Survivor, which is a show out of Canada. As the lead psychic medium investigator with Ghosts of New England Research Society, the acronym is GONERS, Karen is the bridge between evidence and explanation. She's busy writing her first book, which should be in print later this year, and you can visit her website at readingsbykaren.com. Karen Hollis, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much, Sandra. I'm uh, I'm so honored to be on your show. Um, I I appreciate it. You're so welcome. I'm thrilled as well. And uh, I've got a big smile on my face that maybe you can hear. You know, sometimes you can hear smiles while well, I have one. <laughs> How of does course. your story start, my friend? You're, you're in um, Connecticut, just the next state over from me here in Massachusetts. Um, but how does your story start as to getting into this whole world? Maybe you can give us a little bit of the backstory of where you grew up and how you got into this. Well, my story starts when I was in my 20s, and I was uh, I was working for a, a local newspaper here in Connecticut, and I'll leave that newspaper unnamed at this point, and uh, I had walked into a new age store called Merlin's in Niantic, Connecticut, and um, I knew nothing about new age stores. I knew nothing about um, mediumship or psychic ability or anything like that. And I was an advertising rep and I was selling advertising and the store owner purchased an ad from me and she said, have you ever had uh, a reading? Have you ever had a, a mediumship reading? And I said, gosh, no, I don't know what that is. But I, I felt that since she had done business with me, perhaps I should do business with her and check it out. And I recall uh, going into um, like a closet sized space in the back of her store and there was a little old man there. His name was Whitley Dresser. And he, he looked like Merlin, okay, but mm-hmm. he was dressed, you know, in, in normal attire. And um, and he uh, he went and did his reading for me. And it was the most startling thing that had ever happened in my life. I, um, I had been working summers when I was a college student um, at an ambulance company here in Connecticut called L&M Ambulance. And the owner, his name was Richard Meany. Um, and he passed away. He was like a second father to me, a really, really nice man. 
Well, when Whitley um, sat back, he gave me messages from Richard that were indisputable. I mean, uh, my mouth was open. I was amazed. And one of the messages was that by the time I was in my late 30s, early 40s, I would be doing this work full time. And I thought, there's no way um, I'm going to be able to do this. What is he talking about? Funny. But when, um, but when Whitley sat back and the reading was over, he said, well, I guess we have to begin training you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. and that's where my story begins, because um, between Whit Dresser and a woman by the name of Virginia Randolph, who became like a second mother to me. Um, they taught me a lot about the spirit world and, um, my abilities, uh, you know, up to that point, I knew I was very intuitive. I knew I knew things before things would happen, but I kind of kept it to myself, Sandra. So yeah. that's kind of how it all began, you know, and it was amazing. Um, and it felt wonderful to hear from Richard after all that time. It really gave me peace. And that's what I try and give my clients when they come in for private reads. Yeah, what kind of specific information? I mean, you don't have to get too personal, but, um, you know, there's always a skeptical mind, I think, in all of us, you know, just that that some medium will say, oh, your friend's here, and he said you, you know, I don't know, something vague. Can you give us an example uh, from that um, that really had you convinced that that's him? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes, of course. Well, um, I knew Richard and his wife, Sylvia, very, very well, and... um, and I, what I didn't know was that Richard had pre-sold his ambulance company um, to a man named Harvey Kagan at, um, at Maple Hill Ave. I think it was Maple, Maple Ambulance, I believe it was. And um, in any case, um, I did not know that, um, and neither did Sylvia. Richard had passed away of a massive heart attack. Um, his own ambulance crew could not revive him, unfortunately. And um, several weeks prior to his death, he had walked through um, the collection uh, portion of his business, which is where I was working. And he said to me, Karen, he said, what do you think happens when we die? And I said, I don't know, Richard. I said, you know, I grew up Catholic. You grew up Catholic. I assume we go on. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, kid, he said, if I die first and most likely I'm going to, he said, I'll let you know. And I said, okay, Richard, and it kind of took me aback, and I didn't think much of it, okay? I didn't know that he had gone to see his heart doctor that way, and he was up for what was like a, a quadruple bypass. And so um, he, he died prior to that, that surgery. Well, when Whitley told me uh, that Richard wanted me to let his wife know that he had pre-sold the ambulance company to Harvey Kagan, and that all she had to do was to speak to their attorney that would be taken care of, um, I passed that information along to Sylvia, and it was all true. Wow. Um, and then on top of all of that, he made a prediction that I, nobody could um, know about. Um, before Richard left uh, Whitley, he said to tell his wife, Sylvia, that he would take care of Jason. And Jason uh, was one of his sons. They had two sons, Darren and Jason. And um, we didn't know what that meant. I gave Sylvia the message that, that Richard would take care of Jason. And as it turned out, um, Jason died um, up at his university uh, very, very unexpectedly and um, taking all of us very much by surprise. But it was great comfort to Sylvia um, because years prior, Richard had come through Whitley and told me that he would take care of Jason. And so as the years played out, you know, and everything that Whitley told me 
um, that Richard was saying came to pass, I came to really understand the power of the spirit connection and the healing of it all. Um, so it was, it was really a, an amazing experience. Those are the, the evidential pieces of it that really um, sold me, you know, Sandra. Yeah. And, and it makes such a difference because it's healing. I mean, it's, you can't help but believe and be consoled and have your grief helped when you hear these stories because it's, they, they can't be coming from anywhere else. It's, it's got to be. It has to be. And, um, you know, so I, you know, I kind of went along with the training because I was fascinated. Um, the voice that came uh, from Whitley at that time, channeling was uh, the way mediumship was done, um, was Richard's voice. And that was also very, very startling. Really? Um, wow. And of course, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty amazing. So, you know, that's another factor in it. You know, today, the way that we do mediumship and the way that people understand mediumship from television, that kind of thing, is a very different type of mediumship, but no less healing. So those, that's kind of the story involved. It was, it was an amazing thing. And, um, and I was very, very lucky to have mentors who, you know, believed that what the Spirit had told um, Whitley was going to be true, that, you know, I should do this. And um, I was very reluctant at the time. I said, no, I'm going to have a, a career in newspapers and advertising. You know, I, I really didn't think this was something that I wanted to do full time. And as time went on and I grew in um, learning, I just wanted to help people. And it became more important than corporate America. And that's how it all began. Wow. And, really and, neat, and the know? way I think spirit works is you don't really have, we don't really have a choice what we choose to do. Um, even me with this show, it was interesting because I maintain a full-time business. And I thought, how in the world can I do both? Because I had big dreams of being a speaker and traveling and how, there's no way I can do both. And I am doing both because the show is being heard by thousands on a daily basis and I can still go off and uh, do my catering business. So, you know, when the time changes and I'm supposed to be doing something else, I think that's what will happen. You know, so spirit provides the way. I believe yeah, that's very if, true. If we're and, open and to it, time. yeah, and we keep true. taking yeah. steps forward based on what we know is is right and true. Do you remember when you first did a medium reading, and that, or, or did you surprise yourself at um, what came to mind and that it was actually accurate with another person? I do. I remember a reading. In fact, I have um, I have the particular photograph on my website, um, which is readingsbykaren.com. It, it was with permission uh, from the particular client. And it was a young girl who had, um, she had lost her grandmom. And the grandmom came to me and she kept showing me and she was holding a rabbit in her hand. And I thought to myself, my, my gosh, am I going to take the leap of faith and mention this rabbit to this mm-hmm. girl, you know, I didn't understand why the spirit kept showing me a rabbit. And so I said to, to her, I said, um, your grandmom is here. Um, and I had given her the grandmom's name. And I said, you know, um, she says that, you know, how she died is not as important as the love between the two of you. And she keeps holding a rabbit in her hands. And she's laughing about the fact that you have this photograph everywhere of her holding a rabbit. And the young girl burst into tears. And she showed me um, the screensaver on her cell phone. And it was a picture of her grandmother holding her. She was two years old, and she was in a rabbit costume. It was Halloween, 
and um, her grandmom's holding her, and she looks like a little bunny rabbit in the costume. And she said, Karen, I have that on my refrigerator. I have it on my screensaver on my desktop at work. I have it on my cell phone. And so it was an amazing piece of evidence because it was the one photograph that really, it just, it, it resonated with her, that her grandma was always there for her, you know, was always having fun with her. Very it was, sweet. It was, it was, and, it was, and it was cute, you know, it was really interesting. Yeah. So I, I do remember it. And if people want to see the photograph, they can go and take a look at it on, on the mediumship page because I think it's one of the nicest and cutest pieces of evidence that I've ever received. That's so sweet. So then tell us about how your story continued on because you're into some cool stuff now with uh, working with the police and um, your goners, which I want to hear more about. Uh, did you start? <laughs> did It's a great, great name. Did you get heavy into mediumship first, or you know what? How did your journey continue? I did. I, I was doing the mediumship readings, and I had um, several clients come in who, unfortunately, had lost loved ones to um, you know to some pretty violent and um, and nefarious circumstances. Unfortunately, and no matter how people pass away, I think the the thing that your listeners need to understand is that we all come to a place of peace on the other side. But I felt that um, my particular uh, gift to the world um, should go beyond the boundaries of just, you know, my business and, and of course, paying my bills and feeding my family. And so I made myself available um, to police departments to do some work on these cases. And I never get involved in a case unless the family asks the detectives to give me a call um, because I'm very respectful of not inserting myself into situations unless I'm asked to do so. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important piece, and I'm very respectful about the information. So um, I was led to doing the work through my clients who asked me to get involved. And um, it's been a really amazing journey because what I've recognized in working these cold cases, which I do um, gratis to the community is that, you know, the dead will out the living. Those who've been um, wronged, if they know that their loved ones are looking for peace, they will um, bring people to me in the office that will give me uh, clues to the cases I'm working on. There'll be connections or pieces of information that duplicate or um, coincidences, as we call them. Uh, synchronicities, um, it's, you know, I call it spirit speaks in, in many, many ways. And so, um, you know, I'm instrumental in helping people to find peace, uh, whether it's finding the body or finding the, um, you know, the circumstances surrounding it. So I've been really, really lucky to work with some really amazing um, police departments and some amazing detectives and some really resilient and amazing families. So that portion of my career um, I really enjoy. I, I think it's like the Da Vinci Code, a whodunit. Um, mm-hmm. Spirit works clairvoyantly with me on that, clairaudiently. So, um, so I really enjoy the, the, um, those types of, of cases. And then with Goners, which is, um, I had the amazing uh, fortune to meet a gentleman by the name of Kurt Knapp, who was an ex-police uh, officer here in Connecticut. And he wanted to start a ghost hunting team and uh, came up with that, an acronym, GONERS, Ghost of England Research Society. And we're really um, careful to let people know it's a research society. So, in other words, I'm a medium. I can talk to the dead. 
I might be able to figure out what's going on in the homes, give advice to uh, the people about why something might be going on or who might be there. But, you know, we're not exorcists. We're not there to try to, um, I don't know, uh, be the ghost mafia, you know, uh, remove people. We, we try to help people cope with it, understand it, and um, certainly if we can do something to help them, we will do that. Hmm. And this yeah. is something we and don't. Indeed. Yeah, this is something we don't talk about too often. Um, I know from myself. I think a lot of the TV shows and things that I've seen are just crazy. You know, I mean, they're <laughs> to sell commercial space, and they're like they just don't resonate as truth. And I think there's a lot of fear associated with the word ghost. Um, can you? Maybe explain a little bit more, because I think in my mind, when I hear ghost, I think haunting, I think scary, I think possession, I think, you know, things are going to start flying around your house, and I think scary movies. Um, what What do you mean by ghost, if that's okay to ask? It well, I, you know, I believe, Sandra, that um, people are people dead or alive. We have good people in the world. We have bad people in the world. And just mm-hmm. because people die doesn't make, make them any more good or any more bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know that there's a distinction between spirit and ghost. I think that some people when they pass are very attached to their things, whether mm-hmm. it's their home or their circumstance, perhaps how they died, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, to be sure the producers of, um, the television shows, you know, they want to, they want to kind of make it scary so that it, it draws a, a bigger audience. But the truth of the matter is, is that the people that um, are experiencing that type of spirit activity, I mean, uh, it could have been the grandma who owned the home beforehand and just for whatever reason, you know, had a message that needed to get through to the family and then everything, you know, quiets down. So, um I don't know that there's a distinction um, necessarily between ghost and spirit. I would like to say that nobody is ever earthbound by anything more than their need or want to be here. I don't think anybody's stuck. I don't believe uh, a lot of the things that we hear um, that I think people take for granted, you know. I think that when I've gone into houses and I've been able to um, speak to or communicate with, or make contact with, or get a better understanding of why somebody's in a home, um, you know, it has benefited both the living and the dead. So, I don't know that there's a distinction. What What do you think? What do you think? I love that. I really do love that. Um, I am of the same school of thought. I, I remember my aunt used to work for Delta Airlines up in the, the Sky Club, and I live with my aunt, and she came home one day, and she says, Sandra, are you busy tomorrow? And I said, no, you know, she's, oh, I need you to come to uh, South Boston with me and help a friend. I said, okay, okay, what do you, what do you mean? And now my aunt knows that I'm into this kind of world. And she says, after she'd already told this woman, yes, she says, oh, she's got a ghost in her house and she wants you to get rid of it. And I'm thinking, what the heck are you talking about? Like me, you know, <laughs> who do you think I right. am? So, you know, I'm nervous. Of course, I, I turn on the TV before I go to bed and, Ghostbusters is on, right? Of course. And, uh, and I mean, I went into the house and I thought, you know, I've got, you know, cause I, I'm always skeptical about things, but I brought my bag of tricks. I had dowsing rods. I had crystals. I had sage that I thought, you know, I picked oh, that cool. up. I'm going to burn that. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing though. 
But I thought if I could pretend and really be someone that believable, like if this is all in their mind, maybe it'll help. So I was I was willing to do it. But when I walked into the house, what came into my imagination was this old guy with a cane, and he, he this young um, Latin America family had gotten into the house, and I just got this overwhelming feeling that this was his bride and joy, this is his house, and he just didn't want to see another right. family in it. And so long story short, you know, I do all my mumbo jumbo with the sage and the crystals and the little, uh-huh. the little thing that we all held hands and we talked the sky through the light, you know, and I'm thinking I'm making all this up. Well, there's a two-year-old boy that wasn't present at the time, and my uh-huh. aunt comes and she says, Sandra, she says, whatever you did worked. They have a two-year-old son that came back into the house. And um, she said, the man is gone. And they said, well, who, what, what are you talking about? And the man with the cane, he's gone. He went back home. So out of the words of this two-year-old who had no idea that this happened. And, How amazing. Yeah. And I thought something happened there. But it was just like, that's that's my instinct. If somebody's hanging around doesn't mean they're necessarily a bad person. Uh, and I also believe that there's a lot of unfinished business that people pass away with undelivered communications and also know those that are left behind have undelivered communications. So that's, that's my instinct. And uh, could there be more and scary stuff? Absolutely. But it's just not what I choose to f- give my attention to. I think um, I wanted to make mention of what you just said. I think it's one of the biggest um, points that I make in my office when I talk to people who are, um, you know, who are either not speaking to family members or, you know, there's all kinds of dysfunction in families. No family is perfect and we know that. But we need to remember that when people pass away and we're not speaking to them, we're the ones who are left really hurting because, you know, they're they're either at peace or they're not the ones that are going over and over that. And certainly there are reasons to create boundaries, you know, with people who are inappropriate in our lives. But we need to keep in mind that, you know, when people pass, we want to be as much at peace as we can with the relationship, even if that comes um, at the cost of sitting down and saying, you know, um, I have to not have you in my life, but here are the reasons why. And I and I, and I need to be at peace with that. So I think that, um, again, people are people that are alive. You know, they don't become any better when they pass over, in my opinion. Some do, maybe. But, but I think that, you know, human relationships transcend time and space. Love, um, compassion. Uh, I've had many, um, you know, loved ones um, come through and say, you know, I really wish that she could stop crying or he could stop crying because, it's hard on me too. You know, um, I've had people say, well, is, is he happy? Is she happy now? And I want you to think about this for a second, Sandra, and maybe weigh in on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's going to be okay. It becomes the new normal when somebody dies. You know, we have to accept that this has to become the new normal for now. And how can they be happy when you're not happy? And when we take the tools and start to heal and, move forward with our lives and realize that we don't have to focus or dedicate every moment to their memory or memorializing them or seeing them in a butterfly or whatever it is that we we feel we need to do. I think that honors them. Life honors the dead. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's so much grief going on in the world and I, uh, 
I just think it's a, a neat thing to be able to, whether I'm walking through a haunted house or a supposed haunted house, to work with the families who are dealing with that um, with regard to the Ghost of New England Research Society or whether I'm, you know, finding somebody um, so that they can be put to rest um, or their family can feel like they're put to rest. That's, that's a real privilege. I think it's a life of service mediumship and not to be taken lightly. You know, um, it's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. Life and service it. is where it's at, and I think whichever way we choose to do it, I've done so much reading, and I also know it's the most rewarding thing. Is and anybody listening knows that. If whenever you make a difference in the life of someone else, it makes a difference in your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I'm excited for what's coming in the future when it comes to um, there's all kinds of research about the afterlife, and you know whether we'll be able to communicate. Um, the way that we want to. Um, I guess that's my big question for God's source uh, spirit is what's the big secret? Why can't we communicate with those, uh, you know, that we've loved except for perhaps through a medium, you know, and why do certain people have that ability like myself and and many others? Mm -hmm. So um, I know that, you know, I read Evan Alexander's book and several other books and um, some contradict each other. And, and I know that, it's just fascinating to me anyway. I'll mm-hmm. always be after. Me too. You know? And that's why I love talking to people like you because I, I want to learn more and more and more. And even the, the conference that I mentioned uh, that I'll be speaking at in September, there's a lady in Brazil who's got what's called the soul phone and children actually communicate uh, in live time with their parents um, through this, her name is Sonia Rinaldi, and then there's—I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on oh that we don't know yeah. about. And gosh, if I can bridge some of those gaps, and a bunch of the speakers that are going to be speaking on that stage, um, I have the privilege of going to interview them before we get there in September. So I'm excited about that. But more and more people are excited about this and interested, and it's becoming where I think in the past. You know, I was afraid to tell people I'm researching life after death. Thought people think I'm a freak, you know, but now more people than not are interested. And I think it's just a matter of time for more and more to come out. And um, and ultimately, I think, and, and perhaps you agree, the more we know about life after death and death and the reality of it, it really impacts how we live our life now. Would you agree? Well, the less we fear it, I think, the less we fear the unknown when we recognize and we have um, evidence, and we do more research, um, it's the great mystery, right? I mean, yeah. it's what everyone wants to know. Does the personality survive death? I can guarantee you it does, because there's just there's no way that some of the amazing messages that come through could come through in real time. And the other thing that I found, Sandra, it's fascinating, is that people think that, you know, like their dad or their mom or their grandmother, grandpa, or whoever it is, that time stopped for the dead when they died, that they don't know about our everyday life now. And that just isn't true. I have spirits that come through and they say, hey, I saw that you were renovating, you know, um, the downstairs bathroom. I wish I was there to help you. Wow. Yeah, their dad was like a master carpenter or something. Or people will, you know, spirits will be standing there and they'll be holding, like, you know, um, a a paint can. And I'll see the color of the paint. And I'll say, your mom saw that you, you know, that you painted your, you know, your bedroom white blue. And she really thinks it's beautiful. And I think that that continuity 
of time, of, of knowing that our relatives just exist on another realm so close to us that they, they do participate in our lives. They're there at weddings and bar mitzvahs and, and confirmations and high school graduations and college graduations. Knowing that, getting the evidence, it's so exciting for people because they realize they can get on with life and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. it that, that's what drives me, okay, is allowing people to heal in a way that, that allows them to really live. And so that's what Readings by Karen is all about. It's about helping people to, to heal the grief and move it forward. You know, um, that's what I want to be recognized for when I die mm-hmm. is, you know, she tried to help. Yeah, and grief That's important. Grief can take over on us. I mean, it's not anybody who's grieved, it's, I don't want to say autopilot, but you're in the throes of it. And, um, you know, the body's got to do Oh, gosh, it's a process. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, any tools to help ease the pain and make it better, because uh, I know, th- you know, this flip side can happen. We could be grieving for 30 years. And I've talked to people that have gotten stuck in grief like that, and that's that's not what we want. Not at all. Well, no, but I mean, I also think we, you can't push the process. Mm-mm. But I think when when we know that we're getting stuck, or um, or that we're not we're not getting on with it, um, then it's time to you know seek counseling or um, you know get with friends uh, to be in life, as it were. You know, uh, either yes. way. Um, Waters is doing some amazing work with the Connecticut Landmark um, uh, Landmarks Historical Society, and we're doing some investigations of the historic homes here in Connecticut, and that's really an exciting uh, thing that we've been doing as well. And um, so it's not just uh, residences that have um, historical overlays or you know different things that happen. Um, we're finding that it's um, it's an amazing time in Connecticut for the research. So, you know, that's going to be another interesting thing that's going to uh, be happening with, with, uh, with Bonners. Oh, how fun. uh, Yeah. I recently did the Nathan Hale Homestead and a few other things. So Mm -hmm. very exciting. Very Mm -hmm. neat. What kind of things do you pick up? Are that, do you feel like there's people still floating about that kind of thing? Um, I don't know that people are still floating about. I mean, I, what I would say is I happened to be uh, in one of the homes and it had a, uh, an old spinning wheel there. And I asked if I could, you know, touch the spinning wheel. I was kind of fascinated with it. And so I gave it a spin and um, kind of went into a little bit of a meditative trance. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha over and over again. And I asked the, uh, the, the manager, the curator of the home, about that, and she said, well, those were two abolitionists here in Connecticut that um, were actually teaching children in the upstairs of the home. So I call those whispers in the wood, as Neat. it were. So it's not that it's a, a, a spiritual intelligence that's giving me that information. It's just that it happens to be in the actual framing of the building. And so, um, so we're finding there's different layers to spirit research and mediumship. And I thought that that was really a neat observation. Um, I was kind of taken back that, um, you know, it was all true. Yeah. It's, I'm always surprised. It seems like energy's imprinted and you're picking up on that or something. Yeah. Energy imprints, which is kind of interesting too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so it's, it's, it's an exciting time for, yeah. um, 
for mediumship. I think there's a heightened awareness, don't you think, with everything that's happening with all the different mediums that are coming out now on television and just in different ways, you know? Definitely. Neat. Yeah, I'm loving it. Let me ask you, if our personality survives uh, physical death, do you have any thoughts of what the afterlife is like or anything, any beliefs that you've kind of taken on for yourself? Because I don't want to think that um, I'm going to be a totally different person, but I, I would like to think that, you know, when I cross over, that you know, my loved ones are there and there's love around and that, you know, the little negative voice that's always in my head shuts up. And do you have any thoughts of your own about what it's like? I like to think of the other world or the afterlife as the other side of a mirror, in other words. So I like to believe that it is very, um, that it's very close to our realm of existence Mm -hmm. and that every, and I, and, and spirits have told me that everything that we have here, they have there. So they have homes. Um, if they love their cars, they have cars now, do I know that to be true? I suppose I can only know what they tell me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, is true. Um, but they also say that they have work. Um, now, whether those are, I'm sh- sure they're not jobs for money, I wouldn't think. You know, I would think money would be something of the earthly realm. But, um, but you know, I'm told that they are, um, that they're always busy and that they, you know, the continuity of their life continues on and their spiritual development continues on. So, um when I observe them or when they clairvoyantly give me pictures and, and I see them clairvoyantly, I'm also clairaudient and I hear them, um, they, they tell me that they're living with relatives there or they, they have, you know, they have their own hobbies. So I think it's just exactly what we have here. Hopefully mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Um, you know, the stories of the people have had near-death experiences and all the love that's around and things. I, I like those kind of thoughts as well. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting. And like we said earlier, without having the fear of death, we don't need to have a fear of living life. You know, there's education for us to be had and being busy right here. Can we back up a little? Is there any stories that you can tell from the law enforcement and working on the cold cases um, that the evidence that you've found, or is that all private? Um. You know, I can work on, I can give you some information on some of them. Um, one of them is a high-profile case here in Connecticut that still remains unsolved, although I continue to work on it. Um, my my client, Robin, uh, her sister, Lisa Calvo, um, went missing 11 years ago, and uh, this is well-documented in the media, so I'm not speaking out of turn, and mm-hmm. people can look up the case. But um, Lisa had some substance abuse issues and went missing about 11 years ago, and the um, the body of Lisa Calvo is still missing. She was last seen in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, I started working on the case with uh, a homicide detective in New Haven um, by the name of uh, Michael Wuchek. And uh, if anyone has any information on Lisa's whereabouts, um, you can certainly call the New Haven PD and, and give information on it. But in any case, uh, I was brought on, onto the case and asked to give observations about Lisa's death. And um, so one of the first things that I saw was uh, clairvoyantly as I was taken to different areas um, that I was drawn to, that I was bringing the detectives to, uh, which were also areas that they had previously um, looked uh, for Lisa. I was... Uh, being shown huge sewer pipes um, everywhere. 
And um, it is true that the uh, the father of Lisa's children, um, the, he was not married to her, the baby daddy, uh, worked for Public Works in New Haven. Um, now he hasn't been charged with anything and nothing has been um, solved on this. But I do believe that um, there are sewer pipes involved. And so um, also I was shown water um, circumstances surrounding, um, you know, kind of the last hours of her, her life. And I believe that um, Lisa continues to bring information slowly forward to me um, through meditation on where to look for her. And um, the Calvo family is a lovely family. Um, like any family, they grieve the fact that they haven't been able to really put Lisa's body to rest. And so that's what we're working on now. But, um, you know, certainly the, the sewer pipe information and some of the other um, things that I've given the detectives will hopefully yield, um, you know, yield Lisa at some point in time. Of course, it's been a long time, as you know. When I ask Lisa, the spirit of Lisa Calvo, you know, um, what is important to you? Um, I get that she is at peace. And when I speak to the family, they tell me that they are at peace. It would be nice to have this solved because that would give an additional layer of sure. understanding. But, you know, that time heals all wounds on some level. So, um, but the dead will out the living. I love and, that expression. Oh, yeah. The dead will out the living. And the truth you know, they always say the truth sets you free, right? Mm-hmm. And so somebody somebody there knows um, what really happened to this young woman. And um, and when I ask Lisa, she'll bring information slowly forward. But, you know, like I said to you, people don't change just because they die. Lisa was very wary of, um, of people asking her questions when she was on the street, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot of addiction around her, so she was very um, kind of, I guess, skittish about talking to people. And when I asked her originally, I said, Lisa, you know, I really want to solve this for you. What was interesting about all of this is the spirit said to me, why do you care? Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting insight because, you know, remember, I didn't know Lisa Calvo, right? Right. I, and... Um, and somebody who is on the streets um, in an addicted lifestyle, nobody does nothing for anybody for no reason. Do you right. see my point? I do. And and so um, and that was Lisa's perspective. And when I I sat with Mrs. Calvo, I had the privilege of sitting with her mother recently and talking to her. Lisa came through with amazing evidence. Um, happy times of being a cheerleader with her sister at the same high school. Um, information, you know, that I'll kind of keep private because it's the Calvo family, mm-hmm. um, information about just private family things and how much she missed them. So she, Lisa wasn't fixated on her death. Um, and she said she would come, for, come forward with more and more information as time went on. But I think it was also to lead me to sit with her mom for sure. some healing. Absolutely. So. Hopefully that explains it a little bit. Yeah, you know, how, how it works. It's super. Um, yeah, I w- thank you for sharing that. There's something else I wanted to ask you because I know you do private readings as a medium. 
and all that's phenomenal, and I'm proud of you for doing that. But you've also mentioned that you help people uh, acquire wisdom from spirit about their soul lessons and how karmic patterns manifest in their life choices. And I wanted to ask you, what's that all about? Well, let's talk about that. That's okay. really interesting. Yeah, it sounds yes, it. it is. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a mouthful, isn't it? You it know? sure it is. Sounds, it sounds really interesting. Well, I think that um, we all can recognize patterns of things that we do um, that either add to our lives or take away from our lives, right? And um, I once had a very wise uh, therapist friend of mine who said, Karen, be as for boundaries and no is a complete sentence. And I, uh, I always <laughs> used to laugh and say, wow, I got to learn that. You know, I, I need to learn all of those type of things. And I think that when we recognize some of the patterns, some of the things that are happening in our life, and we recognize that, you know, just because we love somebody, right, we can't always save them from addiction. We're seeing a lot of, we just, we just had this wonderful conversation about Lisa Calvo and, and you know, everything that unfortunately happened with, with that case. You know, we can't save people who are um, in an addicted situation. We can't, um, we can only take care of our own spiritual journey. We can only walk and do what we can um, ourselves to be a part of the solution. So we were talking about dysfunctional families and, you know, the fact that we don't want to let somebody pass away without speaking our peace or being at peace with our decision about, you know, about not being in their lives. This is the type of stuff that I work with in the office all the time. We talk about, you know, gosh, you know, I have a sister, she's really difficult, you know, I don't know what to do about this. I find that the same relationship I have with my sister, I have with my boss, or I have with my, you know, my next door neighbor. And that, that's what I mean by a karmic pattern, because that's like God knocking on your door or source saying, hey, you know, maybe maybe the karmic lesson is stand up for yourself, right? right. Um, maybe that's part of it, because, you know, we would like to believe that do unto others is, we would like them to do unto us is the way that things work in the world. But we all know that, um, you know, being a karmic doormat doesn't work either, right? I mean, we have to also um, have our own spiritual boundaries boundaries for our own growth. So that's what I mean by looking at karmic patterns, okay? Look around you. Look at what's happening to you. Decide if there's some continuity in the things that are happening to you. And then really hear the message, you know? And and try and figure out what the message is. And if you heed it, then it'll stop, right? What kind of messages, yeah, besides being, don't be a karmic doormat, like what kind of messages would you say are like underlying things that people learn? Let's see. Um, My cat is in the background eating her food, so I'm going to keep muting it when you start talking because everybody's going to hear the crunch. (laughs) I, that's okay. I have I have three cats, so I am the crazy cat lady. It's all good. No, okay. No worries. All right. Um, I'm trying to think about other karmic uh, things. Let's see. Um, well, okay. Inserting ourselves into situations that we don't need to be involved in because we think that we can help. Yes. Um, that resonates you know, for that, me. Yeah. That's that's one. Um, and. Uh, I'll give you a, a, a wonderful chapter from uh, The Princess Who Believed in Fairy Tales by Marsha Grass. 
in uh, The Princess Who Believed in Fairy Tales, on that note, okay, there is a chapter called Campsite for Lost Travelers. And in it, um, there's a, a character by the name of Vicky, and she uh, is watching monkeys trying to save fish by putting them up in trees. And uh, it sounds like a crazy, uh, you know, chapter in a book. But in any case, there's a, a, a doc, a hoot owl. And Vicky says to the hoot owl, now, why are those monkeys trying to put those fish up in trees? And the hoot owl says, well, Vicky, the, the monkeys are trying to save the fish. And she said, but fish don't live in trees. And the hoot owl says, yes, but the, the monkeys don't know that, you see. And so, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're monkeys and we're trying to put fish in trees. We're trying to insert ourselves and save people, um, whether it's from themselves or um, we're trying to insert ourselves in situations where we don't belong, right? Maybe there are two coworkers at work and they're not getting along and we get in the middle of it all. And, and uh, then what happens to us, right? We get steamrolled because we've put our, ourselves in a position that we don't need to be in. Right. So it's being mindful, I think, um, of our judgments about other people or our need to not judge other people. You know, these are all spiritual lessons. These are things we learn as we become more emotionally intelligent. So those are the type of things I mean, Sandra, if that helps. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And we don't like repeating the same things over and over and over. And it's nice to believe once we get it, like we really get it, that we can leave it in the past. You know, some of those things that keep happening. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I have my own lessons. We all have our own lessons, right, that we need to work on. But, you know, these, you know, for, for over 30 years, I've been working with people and just to kind of look at the relationships they have with other people and, um, and where they want to be. Who do they want to be um, as a spirit? Because, you know, you've heard this, we're all spirits having a human experience, right? Mm-hmm. We're not humans necessarily having a spiritual experience. So what do you want to be remembered for, right? People say, you know, when, when your obituary is written, who do you want to be in the world? What do you want to be your legacy? You know, whether that's being a great mom or, you know, being a wonderful speaker or whatever that is. So, you know, I try and help people to work with that too, you know, based on the current things that are going on in their life, which is really neat. So it's all a privilege. Yeah, it's so easy to talk to you. It'd be easy to have a medium reading with you and then just whatever else shows up, you know, because it's, I'm a firm believer that, um, well, me, myself, and I, I want to get my money's worth out of this life. I think we're on planet Earth for a short time for a reason, and I might not always be courageous when life calls for it or do the right thing, but I do try. So, Well, sometimes doing the right thing, right, Sandra, is just because we can doesn't mean we should, right? So, you know, we're, we live in this great world where there's this Internet and tremendous amounts of knowledge, and, you know, we can get all caught up in the moment or we can try and live in a very mindful way. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that I'm trying to do with my life is to, you know, shut out all of the noise, right? And really listen to what do I need to do, okay, to make my life better, my family's life, you know, as peaceful as it can be, and to, you know, leave a legacy in the world of not being constantly anxiety written because you know we've got a lot of anxiety going on as you might imagine and never mind all all of you know the grief that we go through when people we love die so you know i think mindfulness is going to be the word for this century you know 
being being present, right? We talk right. about being present. Yeah. 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 I love it. Quieting your mind too and um getting away from some of the distractions and things and each one of our journeys is so personal you know the journey you're on might not be a fit for me or for somebody else but to look within and even you know i've this is episode 144 karen which is so hard to believe but some people you know things resonate and some things i you know i think uh, maybe that's not for me but i think anytime we can get tools and you just bounce some within yourself does it resonate doesn't it doesn't empower you because we're all on our own individual journeys and and to go forward and i love that what do you want to be remembered for your legacy uh you know i'd hate to close my eyes last time on planet earth and think about all the things i should have done or shouldn't have done and you know if we can help people um start doing those things and feeling those things now it's a huge way to be in service yeah i mean you know i that's that's just the way that I, I see it. You know, um, when I go through the chapters in the book that I'm writing now, I'll be talking more about, you know, what I call about like the life lessons or the karmic lessons and, you know, using, um, you know, client stories with permission about, you know, the, the personal painful journeys that we go through and the, um, and the amazing, um, you know, grace that comes out of, um, really effective like later on in life you know it's going to be it'll be a, it'll be a neat read for people i'm and excited so I'm, i support you in that however yeah. you need help i am here for you if, wonderful when Thank it comes you. out we can you know? talk again yeah some of the most painful experiences you know once we go through them or while we're going through them they they suck but then you know if you can look 10 years or if you're 10 years past it and you look back and you really see how some of those things shaped us for who we are now well, yeah, and I, I have to say to you that um, in 2001, I went through uh, a situation where uh, I was in Colorado. I wasn't living in Connecticut, and I can quickly uh, give a, an example of this. Um, I had been married for about 20 years and uh, went through a divorce, had a baby, lost my job in the same year due to the pregnancy. My house almost burned down in a wildfire. I moved across country, wow. and I thought... I thought, dear God, what is this all about, right? You know, and what it was all about was I was not listening to spirit. I was, I was still in corporate America. I was not uh, embracing letting go of that and just doing the mediumship and doing the spiritual work. And, you know, by God, I mean, my life just kind of imploded. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're brought your knees that way and you go through that you know we talk with our clients about that of letting go of a past life my life is so much richer now so now when somebody says to me you know my house burned down i can say yep i can relate i went through a divorce been there done that you know right was a single mom at one point yep i've done that too you know remarried and and putting my life back together absolutely you know change careers drastically Yep, that's happened to me. So what I want to leave your listeners with is when you're going through that really, really hard time, know that you might not understand why, okay, because to me it felt like the hand of God picked me up from Denver, a place I dearly loved, and put me back here in Connecticut, a place apparently I need to be, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's home to me, but, you know, you never know what wonderful things are around the corner or what spirit has in, in store for you. And, um, 
So I think that out of some of our most painful experiences come our life, um, you know, not only our life lessons, but like some of the, the greatest things that could ever happen to us. Right. You know, so keep an open mind, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> do you, it Karen, do you have any closing words or is there anything like, oh my gosh, she never asked me about this and I need to say it. Any Anything come to mind that you want to share? Not really, Sandra. I think we've covered it all. Yeah. I don't know what else No, you don't have to. It's good. I, I just always want to make sure that there's not anything that, we, you know, we don't have any regrets. I, <laughs> I don't think there are any regrets. I think... I think the one thing I would leave your listeners with is when spirit speaks, keep an open mind. In other words, don't, when you come to a medium, don't think about that person getting the magic word. You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. be flexible in listening and really receiving um, the grace of the message, which is really, I love you. There's continuity to life. Um, you know, that the evidence is certainly there because you want, you don't want proof, you know, that of kind course. of thing, but, but be flexible with it and be flexible with yourself in your grieving time, you know, and that's, that's really the only thing I wanted to, to lead people with is just, you know, made for television mediumship is not always um, the way it goes, you know, um, every time, but then there are some amazing photographs like the woman with the little ball on the bunny suit and that's just priceless, you know. I love it. Oh, anyway. I love it. Karen, yeah. how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, they can get in touch with me um, at uh, readingsbykaren.com. On the website, uh, I ask everyone to go through the main number. It's just easier that way. 860-665-8024 is the main number. They can call to either book a reading or to... Uh, you know, to get in contact. Also, I'm on Facebook, readingsbykaren.com. I often post um, in my blog inspirational uh, things, and so certainly um, they can go onto the Facebook page. But th- those are the main ways. Perfect. And for our listener, too, if you go to wedontdieradio.com and click on episode 144, I have the easy links to Karen's website and Facebook page and, and things. And I'm excited, really, Karen, to have spoken with you, and you were worth waiting for. Now, it's been a little while since we've been talking, and um, I'm grateful it was today. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Sandra. I feel, I feel so blessed to have, have been on your program, and I really hope that the listeners uh, enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed speaking to you. Yeah, I think so, because I, I have that feeling of joy right now as well. And for our listener, thank you for spending the last almost hour with us. The show keeps growing, and I thank you for always sharing and telling people about it and and get involved. The show is now on YouTube, and if you're listening from YouTube, you know that already. But there's great conversations that happen uh, with the guests um, often and other listeners about the episodes. So if you go to YouTube and you just type in We Don't Die Radio, you can see all of these episodes. And remember to come meet me in Scottsdale if you can. If you're free in September, go to afterlifestudies.org to find out more. But in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and it is my pleasure to be your host. And I absolutely love, love, love sharing um, these conversations with you. And I personally do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And as Karen Hall has said, I love this. She's like, how can they be happy if we are not happy? You know, 
make your life about making a difference, serving others, uh, looking for your own gems and, and knowing that it's all for a purpose and find something today to make you smile. Will you do that? I'll do it if you do it. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Oh,